Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's about getting more locally grown, more BC produced food on everyone's table because that supports food producers as well as the health and wellness of British Columbians. That's Premier David Eby there. It's a good question. Does our province have food security? I remember the floods and the road washouts and how worried we were about getting supplies and everything here. I mean, do we have the ability here in BC to rely on our province for our food? So the BC government made an announcement about investing in food security yesterday. That's what Premier Eby was talking about. Things like, you know, putting money into our food supply chain and expanding local food production. If you're like me, you probably already try to buy local whenever possible. Funny story on that. My name recently came up. I got an email uh, for a local produce box. You know, lots of places have this. Local farms have this where they'll deliver or you can pick up a local produce box in the summertime. Uh, Apparently, I'd signed up for this two years ago. That's how long the waiting list had been to get in on this particular produce box. I mean, that's a good sign, but how do we help farmers, local farmers, produce more and support them to do that? Well, joining us now is Leanna Glass, who's the operator of City Beat Farms. Good morning, Leanna. Hey, thank you so much for having me. And before I get to anything else, you also do the produce box in the summer, don't you? That's right. Yeah, we call it a CSA, which stands for Community Supported Agriculture. And people come for about 20 weeks and pick up a share of our harvest every week in the summer. And how? what is demand like for that? It's pretty good. So we have, um, we operate right in the city and most of our, we grow in yards and most of them are in Riley Park. And most of the people who buy our produce live in Riley Park or Mount Pleasant. So we have a pretty small catchment area, but every year we have a wait list. Um, yeah, so there's lots of interest. I can imagine. So I'm fascinated by how you grow this. So you, you say you grow this in people's front and backyards in Mount Pleasant and Riley Park? Yeah. So City Beat actually started in 2013. Um, and I run the farm now with my partner, Duncan, and we've been running it since 2021. And we're the third owners. Uh, but the original owners just went around door knocking and asking people if they could grow in their yards in exchange for uh, some of the vegetables that they grew. And it started out with five yards, and now we have about 12 or 13. Um, And the farm altogether is just shy of half an acre. So in terms of farming, it's a a micro farm. It's quite small. Um, But yeah, we grow in people's front and backyards. And um, I'm sure a lot of your listeners have probably walked by some of our yards, maybe without even knowing what they were. Probably. And been impressed, right? Been impressed by the vegetable garden that they see Yes, of course. (laughs) We hope. I've actually had that happen. And I think I was talking to somebody once where I said, my goodness, your vegetable garden's amazing. And he said, well, it's not mine. We do it. They also did it for a a local kind of farming group like that too. And I said, still impressive. I guess, Leanna, (laughs) does it surprise people though at what you can grow in a small amount of space? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, this is just anecdotal, but we do hear from some of the neighbors of the yards that we use that seeing our yards really inspired them to grow their own garden. And they're maybe not growing as much as we are because we use the whole yard and maybe they just set aside a little plot, but we love hearing that. It's so meaningful. Um, And I think just because our yards are so visible, we're a lot more visible to more people than um, a normal 
rural farm. Um, that is a big part of what we keep in mind that we sort of are, we're engaging urban dwellers with the food system and elements of, of agriculture that they wouldn't normally see. You're kind of like the poster people for food security at this point in the city, aren't you? <laughs> That's a lot of pressure. But yeah, I, I do think, you know, we get disproportionate to our size. We do get a lot more visibility and a lot more engagement. So, yeah. What do you wish people would know about this? Like we talk about food security, but do you think, do British Columbians understand how important it is to grow their own food? Yeah. I mean, I would say not everybody needs to grow their own food. One way that I conceptualize what we do is sort of imagine that as a neighborhood or two neighborhoods, Riley Park and Mount Pleasant got together and they were like, hmm, you know, I don't, I don't want a garden necessarily. Not everybody. I do another job that's important for our community. And then you can to choose a few community members to do the growing. And that's like the whole point of living in a society. <laughs> so I would say that I don't think we need to focus on individual sort of that sort of individualist um, view of sustainability. But I do think a lot of people can be growing their own food if it brings them joy. And if that's something that they enjoy um, doing. Right. But even supporting local agriculture, right? Like this big announcement from the government yesterday about investing in food security. Is this something that you think we need to do more of? Yeah, for sure. I think that, so the way that I think about food security is sort of two prongs. And you can see in the way that they made the announcement that they're sort of thinking about it in that way too. And there's the, the way that I think about it is um, the, the local accessibility of food like is there food available ready available to me um, in case of an emergency you mentioned the floods last year that's a great example it cut off supply chains any food coming in from further than the Fraser Valley or even including the Fraser Valley because it was so affected um, was cut off or severely limited and so that's one element and they're clearly trying to address that by providing funds to farmers and I see some of the funding is specifically for flood preparedness in the Fraser Valley um, and then there's another element that affects the, the lived experience of food insecurity, and that is an income issue. People who experience food insecurity, it's about poverty. It's about not having enough money to buy food. And that might be caused by things like chronic illness or domestic violence and, and things that we don't necessarily think of or associate with food insecurity. And that fundamentally is an income issue and will be solved as a root cause if we address income. So continually funding like food insecurity directly is super important and food banks do amazing work. And if we wanted to address the root causes of that experience of food insecurity, we would be having programming for income and maybe a, a basic income. Like you really love educating people about this, don't you? Because you even offer tours down on the farm. Yeah, we, we do hoping to do more of those this year, but we will be offering some, some walking tours between some of our yards. What do you love about farming, Liana? I love, um, I love being outside. I've always loved that. I love working with my hands. Um, I kind of, I have a master's in urban planning, so I was not planning to be a farmer. I'm not educated as a, a farmer. Um, and then I kind of, I finished my master's and I was looking out into the work world and I was like, I don't want to sit at a desk all the time. <laughs> So I think there's that embodied experience of farming that I love. And then the type of farming that we do in the city, um, it still relates to the things in urban planning that I was interested in. You know, we are, we're sort of reimagining what underused spaces in a city can be used for. Um, and then I, I do love the sustainability and environmental aspect of it. We use 
all ecological practices. So think organic, but we're not certified. Um, and it just, it feels like really deeply meaningful work. And that's really important to me. I love this. Okay, so how, how can we help out for people who think, yeah, I, I would like to do more, you know, to make a difference when it comes to food security? How can the rest of us help out? Yeah, I would say supporting local farmers um, does make a difference for sure. Sign up for a CSA if you can. I know that's a big ask um, and it's not always convenient for everybody, but there are tons of great farms around Vancouver in the Fraser Valley in sort of the Delta area and even up to Pemberton. um, And a lot of them have CSAs that deliver into the city. Um, And then I would say another thing, you know, just coming back to that sort of political policy thing, it matters who you vote for. And even if the person you voted for isn't in power, you can be, you know, contacting your representatives and getting involved in sort of social justice movements because, um, yeah, that sort of policy level is really, really important. Well, Liana, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me. This has been delightful. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.